0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Second Kings chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to uh, continue in this series that we've called uh, Moving Into More as we started the new year. And uh, we are in week three, the final week of our uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I hope that uh, you'll plan to be a part of of just this final week as we move towards next Sunday. Uh, Not only our morning services 9 and 11, but also then 5 o'clock at the State Theater where we'll have a joint service together. And hope you'll plan to be a part of that. Real quick review we talked the first week uh, that the importance of honesty and that uh, we move into more when we operate with honest hearts. God doesn't need perfect people, but he operates with honest people that uh, uh, it is an open heaven over honest hearts, that we would be honest before the Lord. Last week we had a new friend of our house here, Gerald Murphy, who came and just led us in a time of prayer. And What a beautiful way to, to move into our time of prayer and fasting and, and just a, a time of, of praying through, and, and it was prayer. And if you notice, he prayed through the book of John, and the prayer was this, that we would see Jesus the way John saw Jesus, as the bread of life, as the door in each chapter. Did you notice he prayed through each chapter. And I said to him afterwards, I said, man, how appropriate. We're reading through the book of John during our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And of course, his response to me was a shove on the shoulder and said, shut up. Uh, because he's like, I love when God does that. Uh, because that God is just orchestrating, wanting to, to, to show us who he is. And if you've been a, been a part, maybe you're just jumping in. We're on day 14. So chapter 14, just reading through the book of John in this, these 21 days and uh, uh, just continuing that. This week, I wanna lead with this question and that is this, what do you want more of? If Jesus were coming down the road that you're standing alongside of and as he gets to you and he stops and asks you, what do you want me to do? What would you say? If it was this moment, what is it that we would ask God for? And, and I want to just just bring this to us today. There are many things that we could ask God for, and it's not that we can only ask for one thing, but what is it that we want the most? Last week, of course, uh, pointing out in Psalm 84 that that what the psalmist, what David wanted the most, one thing I ask for, one thing I desire, to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to look at that same idea today, but looking at what is it that we desire of God, and I, I want to look at Elisha's response to that question that is found in 2 Kings chapter two. Would you stand with me? I want to read these uh, fourteen verses. So a little bit of reading, and uh, just follow along with me. It'll be on the screen if you don't have it uh, on uh, in your your own Bible or in the uh, the U uh, version live event. You can find it as well on the app that is there, but also on the screen. Here's what he says: When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven. In a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. Now, I don't want to preach through chapter through verse by verse, but i got to say this. It's important to recognize that Elijah knew that there was a time for him to leave. We, we need to realize that there's a season for everything under the sun. There's a time that, that Elijah's season was coming to an end. How many know that not everything in this life will last forever, but only the promises and the Word of God and the presence of God will remain forever? And so in everything, there is a season, there's a time. And he says here that the time has come for Elijah to go up into heaven, who'd be taken in a whirlwind. Notice what took him. It was a whirlwind. And here it says that Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. Now, I hope that through this sermon, I don't mix up Elijah and Elisha, because they're so similar. They're, they're, one is the mentor, Elijah is the mentor, and the mentee is Elisha. And so, if I get tongue twisted and tied up, y'all just make sense of that. And just know if I say it wrong, I meant the other one, okay? So, just grace right off the bat. Um, so, here Elisha says... Uh, He says to him, stay here. Elijah says, stay here while I go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him... Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered, but be quiet about it already. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has now called me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets who were in Jericho came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know. Shut up. I don't say I don't want to. Of course, I know. Be quiet about it. Verse six. Then Elisha said to Elijah. Elijah said to Elisha, "Stay here, for the Lord has now told me to go to the Jordan River." But again, Elisha replied, "As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you." He's kind of a stubborn individual. I will never leave you, I will go with you. So together they traveled on. Verse 7, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, somebody say on the other side. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken away? What do you want? And Elisha replied, Please let me inherit a double portion of your spirit and to become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two of them, separating them. And Elijah was carried by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight... Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Notice he sees what is a great thing before him, but he's also torn and he's in distress that he tears his robe. How many know even when God is doing great things, sometimes there's also disturbing things in the midst of the great things God is doing. We sometimes think when God's into it, then everything's all smooth sailing. There's no disappointment and difficulty. When God is up to something good, it still is sometimes disturbing. It's all together in the process of what God is doing. He says, I see these things, but he tears his cloak out of sorrow or distress. Verse 13, Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the rivers divided, and Elisha went on to the other side. Father, I pray today that you would give us, Lord, just, just insight, that we would gain understanding as we look at your word. God, I thank you that it is your word. God, it's not what we say, it's what you've said. Now, God, I pray that you would reveal, bring revelation to our hearts and to your word, that it would bring truth to us, and God, that you would help us to walk in the more that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, if that's your prayer, would you shout amen? amen. And Just high five your neighbor and tell them it's on the other side. It's on the other side. You may be seated this morning. It's on the other side. I, I want to just share from that title real briefly today, On the Other Side. And uh, if you're taking notes, uh, um, that uh, just want to encourage us this morning that we would go to the other side. You- you've heard it said this, that there are two sides to every story, which simply means if you only get one side, then you operate with limitation. If you don't have the full story, then you operate, you're left with a perception, and the opposite of perception is understanding. Too often, we settle for perception when God says, gain understanding. We settle for what we think we know, but how many have found out that even the process of following Jesus, the stuff you think you know sometimes gets, has to be traded for what God reveals and teaches you so that you can really know. How many have found out even in the process of following Jesus, there are certain things you thought you knew, but God comes along and teaches you even more than what you thought you knew? For me, that was grace. I thought I knew about grace all my life. Grew up in home, in, a, in a Christian home. My da- my dad's a pastor. I've heard about grace. Thankful for grace. But I had a moment that my perception of grace was one thing, but God revealed to me in my 30s that I didn't really understand grace because my perception of grace is that I was walking a tightrope and that any moment I could fail and God's just waiting for that moment to say, I knew it! You'd fail You're not good enough. That grace, unfortunately, was not this thing that I could learn. That I don't have to watch where my feet go as much as I need to watch and look upon the one whom I'm following because if my eyes are on him, he won't let my feet stumble and he won't allow me to fall because he is for me and not against me. But too often what I thought I knew about grace was God loves me as long as I do good stuff. God loves me as long as I walk the right path. But God loved me even when I was a sinner. God loved me even when I was broken. God loved me when I was a failure. His love for me will never change. He's loved me the same as he's always loved me. I don't walk a tightrope to get God to love me. I walk a big path of God's love and I'll never fall because my eyes are on him and I can't fail or can't move off the path because my eyes are on him. I thought I knew grace until I was in my 30s and God had to teach me what grace really was. You see, nobody intended to tell me to be legalistic or live the life of fear and you're going to fail or you're going to mess up. Nobody intended. It was good-hearted nature to say, well, you got to do right. You got to do this. You got to do that. All of that's fine and well, but if you don't know the love of Jesus, doing the right stuff doesn't matter. If you don't know the grace of his love, and the, listen, I would much rather swim in his grace than have to worry about sharks coming to eat me at every moment. How many know it's a lot more fun when you know you've got a lifeguard who's keeping post and watching out for you? It's a lot more fun to swim when you know there's a lifeguard who's watching over you as opposed to wondering where's the next attack going to come? But How many know there's a God who's for me? See, I had a perception, but then I gained an understanding. And sometimes we're stuck on one side because we're left with perception and we have a limitation. But God says, no, I want to take you to the other side so you can gain understanding and walk in the fullness of what I've called you to. You can never walk in the fullness of what God has as long as we walk in our own limitation. And limitation is when we're stuck with what we think we know. And sometimes what we think we know needs to be traded for what God wants us to really know. That there has to be this, this, this trade-off and, and the perception, here's the the perception is what we think it is or what it looks like, and the understanding is what it really is, and that we would gain understanding, that we would move from the side of, of, of where we are into the greater things that God has for us. Unfortunately, our culture would much rather run with perception instead of running after understanding how many know that someone thinks something they have a perception all of a sudden we run after that perception well did you know what they did did you see did you hear what I heard and all of a sudden we run with perception instead of running after understanding but God help us to run after understanding Help us to let go of what doesn't matter so we can take care of what does matter. The difference of gaining understanding is this, that it's a kingdom principle that in order to gain, to take hold of what is greater, you gotta sometimes, or not sometimes, but all the time, let go of what is less. It's this kingdom of God principle. In order to get, you've gotta give. In order to live, you gotta die. In order to be first, got gotta be last. It's a kingdom principle that in our reading, if you were reading with us in, in John chapter 12, just uh, would have been Friday, I guess, he says this, Jesus says these words, those who love their life, love their life in this world will lose it and those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. That there's this letting go that we've got to sometimes let go what's on this side so we can take hold of what God has for us on the other side. I pray that we don't in 2020 stay on the bank of our limitation but allow God to lead us into more to give us more understanding, more perspective of who he is, of what he's doing, to have a greater understanding of who he is on the earth in this day that we would know him More. How many of you say, this is your prayer today, I want more of God and more of me, that I want to move into the more of what God has? That this perception has to turn in or be exchanged for an understanding. You see, we perceive, and a lot of times out of perception, it gets us stuck. We we, we become limited. Perception without understanding is to to live with limitations, and and I want you to know today that limitations will keep you from fulfilling the potential that God has for your life. Every limitation is man-made. There is no limitation that is in your life that God is not able to overcome. Hey, Moses, it doesn't doesn't matter if you've got a stuttering problem. Hey, David, it doesn't matter if you've got an issue that you have with adultery and what you've done on the rooftop and you even passed it on to your son Solomon. David, it doesn't matter, all those things, that God is still greater than whatever limitation. You are only held by your limitations if you let yourself remain there. Limitations are not God's doing. Limitations are man-made and sometimes they turn into excuses, the things that we say, well, I would do that if, I would trust God and believe, but I want you to know there's no limitation. There is, no, there is nothing that can keep you. There's no lack of money. There's no lack of education. There's no lack of resources. Nothing in yourself. The only thing that keeps us from moving into the more that God has for us is ourself, because every limitation is man-made. Now, I realize even other people try to limit us. That's called control. Yeah, there are other people who try to, Control and put, but even that is man-made. My God is greater than every, my God controls the hearts of kings. My God controls everything in this earth. My God is able to stop the winds and the waves and he knows how to make kings say yes or no. My God is greater than any limitation of my own doing or anyone around me. My God is greater. And when I have this understanding of who my God is, I now can walk with confidence and not left stuck in the places of limitation and the circling that we allow ourselves, listen to what Second Peter says, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Somebody say everything. everything. If God has given you everything, then what limitation is standing in your way? If God has given you everything you need, then what opposition is standing in your way? God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. We have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself, by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. The more I come to know Jesus, the more understanding I gain, and the more understanding I have of Jesus, the more I'm able to live with confidence of who he is and what his word says about me. Because every day I need to be reminded of who I am in Jesus. Every day I have to be reminded of who I am, who is for me, who goes ahead of me. If we're going into moving into the more that God has for us, there's this letting go of some things that we need to get over. And I know sometimes it's not just as easy as getting over it. And I know there's some things that we walk through, struggles, difficulties. You don't just snap your fingers and get over disappointment that happens in life, but at the same time, you don't sit there and just wait for the vultures to come and eat you up until you're left for nothing. You stand and you rise in the grace and the strength, that in your weakness, His strength becomes perfect. In your disappointment, His grace is more than enough, that He leads, that He allows us to rise even in those moments, to step forward in the hope that he calls us into, that we can move into the more. I want you to see in this text, and here's Elisha, and he goes, and I want you to see the context here. Sometimes we can read this with our googly Bible eyes and be like, oh, isn't that nice? Elisha was just a, such a follower of Jesus, and he just did the right stuff, and he was good. We sometimes gloss over this, that Elisha had emotions and feelings like us. Elisha was a man. Elijah, who called down rain, the Bible says, was a man just like you. Pinch your neighbor, see if they're alive. I didn't hear anybody say, ouch, that didn't work. (laughs) You're You're a human being. Elisha was just like us. He had flesh just like you and I. He felt pain just like you and I. And here's Elisha in the same boat. Notice Elisha goes from being reminded about what he's about to lose, and instead of being overwhelmed, he ends up being an overcomer. How many know that in this life there are things that can overwhelm us, but by the grace of God we can overcome even in the midst of things that overwhelm. You say, well, what's the whole point of that? Here's Elisha being reminded, hey, do you know that your master is going to be taken away today? And I know you could read that over and be like, oh, it didn't bother him. He's super Elisha. (laughs) Nothing bothers super Elisha. No, what does Elisha say? Stop already. Stop talking about it. I don't want to hear about it. You know why? Because Elisha has the motions and feelings where Elisha is saying, I left everything to follow this man. I burned my ox. I burned my plows. I burned everything. I can't go back. And now the one that I burned everything to follow is now going to be taken into heaven. How many know that's a disturbing moment to say, God, I left everything to follow this man. And now the very man I'm following is about to be taken. How many know that leaves you in a place of uncertainty and not sure what might happen? That he's coming along, and everywhere he goes, someone reminds him, Hey, you know, uh, you got a problem. Isn't it nice of people to remind you of your issues? I don't need you to remind me that I'm prone to failure. I mean, I already, I'm dealing with my own struggles, my own mind, my own things. And here's Elisha, he's being told, Hey, you're about to lose your master the man that you left everything to follow is about to be taken away from you and now he's in this unsettled he could have been overwhelmed but here's what i love elisha followed closely to the one who he fo- who called him and this life that you live you've got to know who called you you've got to know who you belong to because when you know who you belong to you stay close to the one who called you and if you stay close to the one who called you it's his job to provide for you it's his job to overlook and to take over and to, to work in your situation when you trust him in the circumstances you're going through. He's the one who will get you to the place that you need to be. I want you to see today that maybe we're stuck on this side and God wants us to go to the other side. Are you living in your full potential of what God wants to reveal in your life? Have you hit a place where you're, like, you're you're on this side of the shore and you know that God wants to do more? My prayer is that in 2020, we would trust God and allow him to do more in our lives because there are things that we've heard and things that we've heard said and talked about. But I pray in Jesus' name that we're done talking about what we've heard and we start walking into what we know God is able to do. Amen. Let me give you a couple things that in order to get there, there's some things we've got to make a determination to get on the other side that the more that God has for us, it's on the other side. Somebody say on the other side. Here's what it's on the other side of. Number one, it's on the other side of words. It's on the other side of words. By simple point, it's this, that if all you do is say words, but you never do any actions, how many know you'll just have a whole lot of talk, but nothing to show for it? But more than that, I, I want you to say, here's Elisha, and he's even told by Elijah, his master, and here's what Elijah says, you stay here. I'm going to go to Bethel, you stay here. The Lord is telling me to go to Bethel, you stay here. You want know Elijah? Elisha? Could have said to Elijah, his master, you don't think I'm good enough? You know, I want us to recognize that following God into the more, following God into what he has for us is never an obligation but is only an invitation. Let me say that again. He says to Elisha to stay, not because he doesn't want him to go, But because God will love you if you stay in Bethel, if you stay in Jericho, God's going to love you. You can't perform to get God's love, but he's also giving you an invitation to walk in greater measure and to walk in greater things than you've ever seen before. See, you have a choice today to make a decision to just plant yourself right where you've been or to allow God to get you over where you are to walk in because he's inviting you. You see, walking with God is not an obligation, it's an invitation. It's not an obligation because he doesn't love us according to our performance. He loves us because he created us We're in his image. He loves you and I. And because he loves, he gives you an invitation. And he's saying here, you stay here. I'm going there. But notice when Elisha says, I'm not leaving you. You know why? Because Elisha knew this. I know things don't look. I don't know what's going to happen in my future. I can't go back to my father's business. I burned it. I can't go back. And the only thing I can do now is stay close to the one who gave his word, who spoke and called me. And you stay close to the one who spoke and called you. You hold on to his word in this place that sometimes there's opposition that comes along. And sometimes it's words. Let me just put it in this frame. That even the people who said to him, hey, don't you know your master's going to leave? Don't you know there's a whole lot of words on this side. And if you start listening to the words that are around you, you allow yourself to get settled and talked out of any ability to do something significant for God. Because you'll just convince yourself this is all you can do and you got to stay right here. Because you have limitations. You have disappointments. Or you have offense. Let me just say this one directly. I want you to know in the last days which God is doing great things on the earth. God is doing great things in the earth. There is a movement in the Middle East just like there was when the the, the curtain fell in Russia and the gospel went in in the 80s, there's something happening today that's going on in the Middle East among the the people that are there, among Muslims and among opportunities just proclaiming the God. There is a work of God that is happening across the earth. Jesus said in the last days to be careful. You know why? Because in the last days that there would be a falling away and here's the, the thing that Jesus said that they'll fall away, that they'll hate one another and that word hate literally means this, to be offended. How many know that the enemy will do whatever he can to keep you and I on the banks of a fence. And instead of moving into what God has for us, well, they said bad things about me. Or this is, that the enemy keeps us in a place that, of where we're held back and not able to move into more. But when we come to that place, we've gotta be careful what words are hanging over you. That sometimes, how many, I want you to know, I know this as well, that you can desire God for great things and believe God for great things, but it only takes one word to sometimes come alongside and pop that bubble that you've been living in, or not just living in, but that place that you've been rising in, because it doesn't take much in those moments. Whoever said sticks and stones will break my bones but words will never hurt me was a robot. (laughs) Come on. Words matter. But the question you've got to ask yourself is what words will define you? What What words are going to define and cause you and keep you? And here's Elisha. Elisha had the words of you stay here. Elisha had the words of your master's leaving and instead of being in that place of of overwhelm and anxiety and difficulty, he says no I'm going to stay close to the one who gave me the first word, the one who called me the one who gave my identity, I left everything I was to become everything he called me to be and this is the picture of us following Jesus, how many know that when he called us, the old was gone and we took on a new identity and as I take on a new identity he's also in every moment, in every stage giving me a new mind and a new way of thinking and a new understanding why do I have to be transformed by the renewing of my mind because sometimes my perception isn't reality sometimes what I think needs to be traded for what God wants me to know that there's this renewing process that has to take place and every time I go in that renewing process I've got to go from one side and walk on the other side notice there were those who were prophets that when they finally get to Jordan the river there were prophets who stood at a distance. I wonder. I don't want to stay at a distance. I want to be in the midst of what God is doing in this day, in this moment. That There's some words sometimes that... That, that fallen, and maybe today on the other side of words, I don't know what's been spoken against you, whatever been told to you, that your identity comes in Christ, that your more is not where you are, but where God has called you, what he's spoken of you. Don't get stuck in your hurt, your past, your setback, your disappointment, your offense. Allow God to take that off of you and walk into the purpose of who he's called you to be to know that he has greater things in store for you. Don't remain where you've been. Let me give you number two. Number two, if we're going to move into more, it's on the other side of want. And here's the question again, what do you want more of? What do you want me to do for you? And this is the question that Elisha, that he's saying here, that that Elisha is asking the question, what is it that you want me to do for you? And and Elisha says to him, I want what is in you to be in me. I want a double portion. I want what is in you to be in me. Now, we can easily read this, and we can say, yep, that meant he want a quantifiable portion increase so that he could be a double now we know this that it said if you go and count the miracles that Elisha or Elijah did compared to Elisha that he had double the miracles but it's not just that because this is not a call to be greater than somebody if the heart of it is to be greater than somebody how many know that's not the heart of God God doesn't want us to have his spirit so we can be better than someone else. God wants us to have his spirit so that we can produce and operate and see his kingdom come. When he said he wanted a double portion, he's literally saying this, I want what's in you to be in me. And he's going all the way back To this place that is the right of the firstborn. Back to Deuteronomy 21. He's saying, I want a double portion, which is what the Bible uses to acknowledge it's the right that goes to the firstborn. Now what's that mean? The firstborn, the firstborn son in the Old Testament was the one that when the father was ready to pass on his inheritance, he would give a double portion to the oldest son. He gave, a, he gave an inheritance to everybody, but the oldest son would get a double portion. And the double portion meant he was the one to carry on the legacy of the father. He was the leader of the house. He was the patriarch of the house that father was going when father is now, has now passed away, that the firstborn becomes the patriarch who passes that on. And now it's basically carrying on the family business. It's basically carrying on the legacy, the purpose. Now, how many know that somebody can want power But not everybody who wants power wants it for the right reason. And often what we do then is we criticize or we don't like people who are in position. But how many know that authority comes from God? And there are some people who are in power and position because God put them there. So honor authority. Honor the authority that God puts in place. Why? Because all authority is God-given. All authority is put in place by God, the leaders of the land, the places that are there. And here it is, that there's nothing wrong. Here's Elisha saying, I want want to have a double portion. I want to be an investment. I want to be a leader in what you're doing in the earth. Can I say to you, if you want to be a leader, it's not a selfish thing to want to be a leader. Check your heart and put it in the right place. But God calls people and calls them to rise up for such a time as this, to be a part, to be a voice and a leader in the midst of what God is doing in our day. How many know we need leaders? Where there aren't leaders, we've got a problem. And usually there aren't leaders where there's a whole lot of just talking about people who are leading or people who are doing things. Do you know it's easier to be a person of opinion? It's easier to be a person of opinion than it is to be a person of leadership. Well, it's a lot easier to have an opinion. It's a lot easier to have an opinion about things. But God is looking for leaders. What are leaders? Leaders are the ones who step in those places, who, who, who take and say, I'll, I, God, I, I want a double portion because I want to carry on the work and the purpose to which you've called, that there's this understanding. And what we need to understand is that what, what, he, would, what he would be able to do with this leadership is to carry on the, the glory, the cause of God on the earth. Now, Elijah says to Elisha, what you ask for is a hard thing. And the reason it's a hard thing is because only God can give it. Elijah is saying, I can't give you a double portion because I didn't get it in the first place, so it's not mine to give. The only way you're going to get a double portion or the inheritance to be, to be the leader of what God is wanting to do, the only way you're going to get that is if you see me when I'm taken up. If you see me when I'm taken up, then you'll get it. But if you don't see me, then you won't. Now, this isn't one of those things of, well, I better make sure I see. It's not a condition. It's confirmation. This is why I would say to you, my answer to God asking me, what do you want me to do for you? My answer to God, to Jesus, is, God, give me eyes to see what you're doing in these days. God, give me eyes to see what you're doing. God, I want to see. He asked Andrew, when Andrew followed him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Andrew said, I want to see where you're staying. I want, I want to see where you. I want to see where you are. I want to see what you're about. Jesus says, "Come and see." He says to the, the blind man on the side of the road who's crying out, "Have mercy!" Jesus stops and says, "What do you want me to do for you?" He's a blind man. Jesus says, "What do you want me to do for you?" He says, "I want to see again." That God is asking you and I. My answer to that: God, give us eyes to see in this day what it is that you're doing. Give us eyes to see. Here's the difference. Not everybody sees what God is doing. Notice what Elisha sees when Elijah is taken up. Remember what took Elijah up. Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind. We often think it's a chariot, but the chariot didn't take him up. The chariot was the indication that God was in the midst of what was happening. The the horse and chariot of fire was just indication of God's power. Not everybody could see the horse and chariot. You know why? Because not everybody has eyes to see what God is doing. Not everybody sees what God is doing. So God, give me eyes to see what you're doing. Remember, fast forward, this This is Elisha who sees it. There's another place, Gehazi, who is his his servant. And they are uh, later on that Elisha is with them. And they're in a cave. They're camped out. And while they're camped out, one of the bad kings sends some armies to attack them and wants to capture him. And when the servant steps out, Elisha's servant steps out and says, oh, we're doomed. We're surrounded by all these armies that are against us. Elisha comes out and says, no, we're not. We have more armies for us than against us. He said, the Lord's army's greater. Don't you see? And the servant says, no, I don't see it. So Elisha says, God opened his eyes that he might see. Guess what he saw? All of a sudden then the servant's eyes were open, and now he saw horses and chariots of fire and now he didn't just see in the natural, he saw in the spirit. He had eyes to see what God was doing. I wonder if we would have eyes to see that yes what's going on in Iran it is not the start of bad things it's our God who's in control who orders all things that we look up because his redemption is drawing nigh that he's at work and doing something in the earth in these last days But if we look at life and say, can you believe all the disaster, all the disappointment, all the heartache, all the problem? But how many know God's looking for some people who have eyes to see not the way things look the way they are, but to see in the Spirit and say, in the midst, I see God working. In the midst, I see that God is at move, that He's he's moving, he's coordinating, he's working. I wonder if we would say to God, God, I want to see with eyes of what it is you're doing in the earth in these days. Give me eyes to see. What will keep us from having eyes to see is when we get stuck on this side of where we are. Either words and things that hold us back. God, give us eyes to see. I want to ask the worship team to come, and I want to close with this last one. Give us eyes to see what it is that you're doing on the earth in this time. And here's, here's the last one at this is on the other side of the works. What is it that we want God to do that really what we want him to do is, God, I don't want wealth And this is what Elisha is saying, I don't want a double portion that I want your wealth, I want your influence. I want to represent you in this world. I don't want your wealth. I want the ability to be a part of what you're doing on the earth. That's not a selfish prayer. God, give us resources to see your kingdom come in Fayette County, to declare your glory That the world around us might see that there is a God in Fayette County who is greater than poverty, who is greater than addiction, who's greater than dysfunction, who's greater than any setback in anything in this place. That there is a God. There is a God that we would reveal who he is. And I want you to see this, that that on the other side of works, and, and I want us to see... Uh, I, I want to see God do great things in this day, but I don't want to see God do great things just for the sake of great things happening. We want to see God do great things so that the glory of God can be revealed on the earth. We don't want to see God do great things so we can have good services. Because if all we have are good services, whoopee. I mean, quite honestly, I can have good services at home with friends and family coming over, and we can have a good time there. We can have family devotions and experience everything. We, what we come is that the glory of God may be imparted in us so that we might take it to the places where we are. That we would do the works of Him who went ahead of us. There are only two people in the Bible who moved the water to get through. Moses and Elijah. Moses parted the water. And how many know Moses had a successor? And his name was Joshua. And Joshua mimicked what Moses did. And he also parted the Jordan to walk into the promised land. Now you've got Elijah who now parts the water. And guess what his successor does? His successor does exactly what he saw him do. Now, they're the only ones who parted the water. But then we have another one. He didn't part the water. He walked on it. (laughs) He didn't need to move it out of the way because he is already enthroned and greater than. He walked on it. And guess what he said? If you're reading through John chapter 14, you'll read this today. If you're reading through through, uh, uh, the, the book of John with us. In John chapter 14, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. He said, you will go and do even greater works. Here's my point. That on the other side of the works is not that we just get to see God do great things, but that we get to be a part of displaying and carrying out and continuing the glory of God on the earth. Joshua followed Moses. Why? Because God had a work that he wanted to continue. Can I tell you, When Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he didn't hit the pause button. The gifts of the Spirit did not end with the apostles. The gifts of the Spirit are still for today. The power of God is still the same today. The Bible says that these things will cease when we see him. Because right now we see him dimly. Right now we see him through through a... Through an image. We don't see Him completely. We just see an image of Him. But on that day, we will see Him and know Him the way He knows us. And the Bible says on that day, then tongues, prophecies, all these things will cease. You know why? Because we'll see Him as He sees us. We will reach ultimate understanding. How many know we're not there yet? So since we're not there yet, He's given us the Holy Spirit. Notice what Elisha picked up. After Elijah was taken up into heaven, Elisha picked up what fell down. When Elisha picked up what fell down, he used the very thing that fell down that was from the one who he followed, and that very thing he did the same thing with, and it moved the same water in the same way because the spirit that was in his master was now in him. Guess what? When Jesus ascended into heaven, he was like Elijah saying, I'm about to go, but don't worry. I'm going to send a comforter. And the Bible says that Jesus went to heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to dwell. Guess what? pick up what he brought down Take up what he's given us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living on the inside of you and I. So guess what? I live in a world that can overwhelm me, but I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who lives in me. I live in a world that can discourage and tear down, but I'm greater as he is in me than he that is in the world. I'm picking up what he put down, that I went to the other side of what held against, and in that I find my help and my strength. He's given us the power of His Spirit. God, I want to see your glory in the earth. Notice Peter, James, and John. They're on the mountain with Jesus. Luke chapter 9. They're on the mountain with Jesus. And guess who shows up beside them? Moses and Elijah. The only other two who who, who moved the water. And right in the middle is the one who says, I walk on it. And while they were there, the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured. They appeared with Jesus. Peter, James, and John said, let's build a tabernacle. Let's stay here. Do you know even after experiencing the glory of God, the Bible says they saw the glory of God. They had the encounter with the glory of God. How many know that would be an awesome thing to see the glory of God? Guess what they did after they saw the glory of God? Peter says, let's stay here. Jesus doesn't even address that in that place. He just says, "No, let's go on." The Bible says that the smoke cleared; it was all gone, and there was Jesus. After the woohoo, yeah, ha, wonderful service, guess where they went? To a demon-possessed boy that was being thrown into the fire and being over. After they just had a glorious service, they now you know why? Because the glory isn't for you and I to have a woo. The glory is for you and I to walk across waters that the world says it's gonna drown. But we walk and say, no, there's a God who goes before and it will not overtake, it will not overwhelm. We will be able to walk and not be drowned, be on fire and not burn, to stand in the power that we have in Jesus' name. What we need is to see the glory of God, not to say woo-hoo, but to see the glory of God, to say greater is he in this earth. What did Elisha say? Elisha says, Where is the God of Elijah? You know what I want to say to Fayette County? Here is the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Elijah, Elisha, the God, our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Here we are a church to declare the glory of our God, that He is able. And I want to see His glory in all the earth. If that's your desire today, would you stand with me across this place? And would you just make this your prayer? God, would you show us?